So uh, we're continuing. We've been, hey guys. So we, we have been going through the book of First Timothy and we've been working our way through it. We've been just looking at how we are to lead the way in our faith. We've been looking at uh, Paul writing to Timothy and just different uh, aspects of that of combating false teachings and how we're to preach the gospel to ourselves and we're to see order in church. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at just um, the core doctrines of the faith. If, if a church is supposed to be a church, these are at least the core beliefs that they will build upon. And so tonight we're going to look at the dangers of false teachings. We're going to look at people that have strayed away from those core beliefs that we saw a couple weeks ago. And so we're going to be in 1 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 6. So for any of you that have your Bible, that if you want to open up there as we look through this together. And uh, while you're opening up there and while we get through this together, um, uh, let me first ask this. Anybody huge uh, dog lover? Anybody love dogs? Um, if you don't, you don't, you need prayer. Unless you're allergic. If you're allergic, then, then, then respect that. So, so, so for anybody, for anybody that knows me, um, for anybody, for anybody that knows me, I, I have an adorable, adorable little basset hound named Hercules. He is the best. I love basset hounds, but he had a predecessor. His name was Tank. And I want to tell you a story about, uh, Tank. So this was uh, Rebecca's parents' dog. He was, got to the ripe old age of 13. But what happened is, is there was, um, if you don't know, dogs love to follow their noses. And so uh, Hercules loves to follow his nose. So did Tank. He loved to follow his nose. So much so that even in their gated backyard, I guess he just got so thin that he would follow his nose. And he ended up going and sliding in between the gate fences and just following his nose. And so... His, her parents were freaking out like 11 at night, like, where did Tank go? Where is he gone? And so they're calling Rebecca, and they're freaking out. Sure enough, they get a call from some random number, and they say, hey, like, I think I found your dog. And so sure enough, at like 11 at night, this dog Tank follows nose so much that he ended up leaving the entire subdivision that they lived in and went out onto the very busy street that that entered into their subdivision, walked into the middle of the road, and thankfully enough, a truck stopped. Thankfully enough, the dog's okay. Don't worry. The dog, the, uh, the truck stopped, and just sure enough, Tank just walked up, jumped in the car like, hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, friend. And just like nothing happened. And, and it was just so funny because he followed his nose. And because of that, sure enough, instead of staying in the little safe container he had in the backyard – Everything. He followed his nose, and next thing you know, he left the safety of that, the entire subdivision, onto a busy street, and easily, easily could have gotten hurt or, Lord forbid, killed. Why? Because he followed his nose and strayed more and more and more away from home base because he was able to slide through the gate because he was just like little fences because he was just so thin. He got so thin. And so. Instead of staying safe and staying close to where, uh, in the backyard of where it was, he just followed his nose. And because he followed his nose, it led him astray and nearly almost caused his death, honestly. And that can be a very scary thing. All because why? He just followed his nose. He thought something smelled really good. And he just kept going, going, going. And spiritually, in many ways, we can be prone to follow our noses of whatever just is the sweetest scent around today. We can be prone to follow whatever the latest fad is today. We can be prone to just 
follow whatever the, the hottest take is on theology or, or trends or even just the funny question we asked earlier about is there more wheels or doors and how up in arms people will get over that and how we're so prone to follow these things. And so we need to be careful on this. And in fact, we're going to see how when we do this spiritually is if we slowly follow more and more away from the safety and purity of the gospel – The dangers of false teachings can lead us away from the faith and could lead us to just ultimately us straying so far away from the gospel and ultimately death if it lets it get to that point. And we don't want to do that. So we want to see the warnings and dangers of false teachings. We also want to see the beauty of the gospel at the same time. Because here's the thing. All of us are fallen sinful human beings and we're prone We're prone to follow whatever the latest takes on God is, whatever the latest takes on Jesus are. We're prone to follow different teachings that place us at the center of our lives rather than Jesus. And so what we need to do is if we want to lead the way in our faith, then we need to stay rooted in the gospel by confronting false teachings or teachers. So if we are to lead the way in our faith, then we need to stay rooted in the gospel and we need to confront false teachings and teachers. And so we can only do this by the grace of God. That's the only way we can abide in Christ and stay rooted in Christ. We can only do this by constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves, as we saw back in First, or first Timothy 1, 12 through, 15, or 12 through 17. We looked at the testimony of Paul. That we do this by remembering the core doctrines we studied a couple weeks ago in 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. That we need to constantly have these teachings in front of us. And if we don't, and we start getting led astray by different false teachings, then we're going to see in this passage the dangers of that. So let's read this passage together. And then I'll pray, and then we will just jump right in. So this is 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 6. This is what it says. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you will follow. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. So Lord Jesus, we come before you, and uh, we are just in desperate need of your grace. That we constantly need your grace in everything that we do. From just being able to see, being able to take our next breath, being able to walk around, being able to write notes or, or just whatever the case is, we need your grace in everything that we do. But especially when it comes to staying rooted in the gospel and following you, that we need your grace every single day. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you just come and would you purify all of us in here of our pride and submit us to your authoritative word? that you would help us just open our minds to understand these truths? And would you just open up our eyes to see more of our need for Jesus? And would you open up our hearts so that we would receive these teachings with humility and joy, that you would convict us in uh, sins that we've committed that we need to repent of, but you would encourage us with just truths from your word to keep us going forward. And that through all of this, 
that we'll be able to grow more in our relationship with you, Lord Jesus. We'll grow more in our relationship with one another as the family you've called us to be. And then we'll continue to live out our mission that you've called all of us to, which is to make Christ's name known. It's only by Christ we can do any of this. So it's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. So there's two different teachings we're going to get out of this, okay? So there's two main truths. And so the first one we see is this, is that false teachings hardens our hearts. So false teachings hardens our hearts. So after Paul is telling Timothy about these core doctrines that we saw before then, how Jesus was manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed to all the nations, uh, ascended back up into heaven, taken up into glory. He now says this, is that the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. And so what it means by later times or end times, as some things might say, is a lot of people will debate, what does that mean? And so here's just a very simple definition for us to understand is that the later times or end times is just the in-between period between Jesus' ascension and when Jesus returns. So the time, by the time Jesus ascended up into heaven in Acts 1-8, we just see that is when the end times occurred. So we are not in between when Jesus ascended and when he comes with the second return. And so now he says that in these later times, some people will depart from the faith. That is a promise we'll see. So what does it mean by depart? So what are they departing? Depart means just to abandon or to distance oneself. It means just to uh, pretty much physically remove yourself from something or physically move further and further away from something. And so what are they departing from? They're departing from the faith, these truths of the gospel that we studied a couple weeks ago. And so how do they devote or how do they um, depart from these truths? Well, we see that in verse one, that they devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And so we see this first truth is that all false teachings are from Satan. So all false teachings are from Satan. We see this time and time again throughout scripture, where we see that just Satan is just a liar and how he'll deceive people. So in 1 John 4, 6, it just says this, For we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to God. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So whether or not we listen to God, if we're studying his word, if we're obeying his word, those are ways that we can discern between true teaching and false teachings. Or in John 8, 44, it says, Satan was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with truth because there is no truth in him. So when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So every time Satan speaks, he's just speaking out of the overflow of his character that he is a liar, that he is the father of lies. And so when he teaches these things, he's teaching falsehoods. And so these people are devoting themselves to these false teachings that it says are teachings of demons. And so that's what they're devoting themselves to. While we as Christians, we'll even see later on in 1 Timothy 4.13, in the same chapter, just a few verses later, Paul says we need to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and the teaching of his word, and that'll help us with these. So next we see in verse 2, okay, they're devoting themselves to these deceitful spirits and these teachings of demons. So what does that necessarily mean? And so Paul says that they're doing these things through the insincerity, some translations might say hypocrisy, of liars whose consciences are seared. So what that means by seared, it just means this. It means to be insensitive or to become unfeeling, unresponsive, or just callous 
to something. So it just means they just don't, they don't feel any of these things. And so these false teachers, they don't realize just the, the intensity and how bad these teachings are. And how much it will lead people astray, the, how this has an eternal impact on someone, and they don't feel that weight. They don't feel that conviction to something. And so the more these people devote themselves to these false teachings, the more they distance themselves from the truth of God's word, and the more they harden their hearts to the beauty of the gospel. So here's a way for us to kind of understand this. Is, um, I remember one day I, I, was, I got out of this big block of cheese. I don't know what I was doing. If I was making nachos or grilled cheese or something. It's this huge block of cheese. And I remember I just left it out overnight. And I forgot to put it back in its container back in the fridge. Does anybody want to guess what happened to that cheese? Moldy. Moldy or what else? No. Stinky, what else? <laughs> Unedible. Unedible, yeah, that's true too. What else? Well, <laughs> but it got, it got hard. It got hardened and it just became unusable is that it went from this nice bright orangey color to this dark orange color. And it was gross. It became hardened and unusable. So the longer that this block of cheese was left outside its container and outside, its fr- outside the fridge, the more it got hardened and the more unusable the cheese became. And spiritually speaking, the further, the longer and further we stay away from Jesus, his word, prayer, spending time in community with other believers, the more our hearts are hardened and the more our consciences become unusable. Our consciences are our wills. The thing when we act upon something, that is our conscience, that we will something. And so the more these people harden their hearts to these teachings, the more they seared their conscience. So the conscience is just the psychological faculty. It's what we distinguish between right and wrong. That's what we are able to do. And so the further we move away from God's truth, the further we're moving away from truth. And we're not able to distinguish between right and wrong. And so the more they abandon these core tenets of the faith, the more they moved away from what was right towards wrong and did not see how wrong these teachings were and the effects that they had on these. So here is one aspect, another aspect of false teachings. False teachings move us away from Jesus. False teachings move us away from Jesus. And so one thing we want to do is we always want to make sure we keep Jesus at the center of everything. His person and his work. Not just the benefits of following Jesus. Not just of what he can give us. But Jesus himself and his finished work on the cross. And so if we are to constantly devote ourselves to teaching of Scripture, if we're to constantly devote ourselves to these true core tenets of the faith, then that raises some questions for us. What teachings are we devoting ourselves to today? Are we daily spending time in God's word? Are we daily spending time in prayer with God? What are we constantly putting in front of our faces to watch or read or listen to? Because trust me, anything that we put in front of our faces is going to impact us whether we realize it or not. Any shows that we watch is going to make an impact on us. All the music we listen to is going to have an impact on us. Anything that we see, pictures or whatever else, videos, all that's going to have an impact on our hearts and on our minds. And so we have to make sure we're constantly filtering this. We have to constantly put in front of us what is glorifying to God. Because it's going to affect our hearts and our conscience and our actions. And so these people did that. These, these people, what they did is they constantly put these teachings in front of themselves. 
and it led to their hearts being hardened. And so now Paul says, here's what they're teaching. And they're taking something that, that Paul talked about some, and they're making it extreme and absolute, saying you need to obey this if you want to get God's approval. So in verse 3, what are they teaching? It says, okay, what are they teaching? Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So there's two teachings. They're false teachings they're giving. First one is they just say they forbid marriage. Now, Paul talked about this some in 1 Corinthians 7. And here's all Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look, here's just my recommendation. Here's just not a command, but my thing is that if you can stay single, then stay single. Because then you can devote more time of your lives to serving Christ and, and glorifying him. But he goes, just if you really want to get married, get married. And so they're taking this and they're raising it saying, ah, see, that means we have to forbid marriage. That way we can devote more time to this because marriage is just going to be evil and hinder us. And that's not at all what Paul was saying. Paul is not forbidding marriage in the slightest. He even said, look, marriage is divinely established by God. It's a good thing that he said way back in Genesis. And so we even saw a few weeks ago how marriage is a reflection of Christ and the church and how they complement one another, just like man and woman complement one each other in marriage. And so they're trying to distort this teaching. Second, they're saying, look, you have to abstain from certain foods. And so this, just to make it short, was... Jews had a very strict dietary diet um, back in the Old Testament. And so there was even concern about the early church, about food sacrificed to idols, and how do we handle all of this? And so what God did is that in Acts 10, he showed this vision of Peter saying, look, I have cleansed all these things. And so it is okay. It is okay to now eat some of these things, to eat some of these animals that were once forbidden, to eat some of these things that were once considered unclean. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.8, 8, he's like, look, food's not going to give us a greater brownie points with God. We're no worse off if we don't eat or if we do eat. And so it's not like a particular diet we have is going to make us a lot more favorable in God's eyes. It's not like if we just eat vegetables and that's it, then we're, we're a lot better with God. Or if we just eat meat, then we're a lot better off with God or we're a lot far worse off. No, none of that, none of that is important. In both cases, these false teachers are taking these teachings in scripture, they're distorting them, they're making them absolutes, like you have to obey this. If you want to be a true Christian, or if you want to follow these truths, you have to forbid marriage, you have to abstain from these foods, you have to believe in these things. And they make them commands that people have to follow. But again, there, there is nothing wrong with singleness, and there's nothing wrong with having a strict diet. But when these things are elevated and they're made absolutes, that enters into what's called fundamentalism, where it's like, these are things you have to do or else you are not truly a Christian. So what false teachings do is this next truth. False teachings distort God's word. False teachings will distort God's word. They'll take what God's word says and they'll want to contort it to how they want to use it. They'll turn it to how they want to use it for their own thing. And we've seen this from the very beginning. Does anybody remember the question that Satan asks to Eve in Genesis 3? When he was like, well, God said so-and-so. And then what did, what did Satan ask? Did God, really say? did God really say? And that is the constant question that we'll see so often in false teachings. Did God really say this? Did, did, did God really say to wait till marriage? Did God really say you need to read your Bibles? Did God really say that scripture is inspired and is important? Did God really say any of these things? 
And that's how it starts. Because what false teachings do is it's not just going to come blatantly and go, oh, I need to avoid that. It's going to start out very small and little things where it's like, oh, that kind of sounds good. There's, there's a kernel of truth and that's, that sounds all right. And that's going to slowly lead us more and more and more away. And so we need to constantly be on guard because these false teachings, they'll lead us away from Christ. They'll distort God's word. And they're just, they harden our hearts. But here's what we need to do to combat false teachings is this second main point, which is the gospel transforms our hearts. The gospel transforms our hearts. And that's the beauty of the gospel that's always going to be about the gospel. That's why we try to keep the gospel so front and center at everything that we do. Because it's what transforms our lives. It's what helps us grow in our faith. It's what we use to combat false teachings. And we're going to see some of the truths of the gospel in this. So in verse 4, Paul then starts to combat a lot of these false teachings and allows us to see the beauty of the gospel. So the first one we see is this, is the gospel shows us the good in creation. The gospel shows us the good in creation. So that's what it says in the first part of verse 4. For everything created by God is good. So Paul goes all the way back to Genesis to say, look, everything God created is good. If you look at the Genesis account, when he created the sun, moon, and stars, he looked back and said, man, this is good. When he created, let's say, all the vegetables and all the plants and all the trees, he said, man, this is good. When he created all the animals that are on the land, that are in the sea, in the air, he said, man, this is good. When he created man and woman, he said, this is very good. That everything he created is good. In fact, the only, thing, the only time that we see that God says it is not good is when he said that man was alone. This is not good. So I'm going to create, I'm going to create a woman to be a helper towards that. And that's why we see that man and woman shall leave their father and mother and become one in marriage. And that God said, this is good. And so what these false teachers were saying, how we need to forbid marriage, it's going against what God created, saying, no, this is very good. And this is what glorifies God. And so during creation, we see that everything God created, it is good. If we use it in the way that God originally designed it to be. And so he even talked about the foods. So we've seen the marriage part. We talked about the food in Genesis 1.29. God says, look, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Or just several chapters later in Genesis 9.3, it says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you for the green plants, I gave you everything. So all the animals and all the plants were good. I'll be honest, selfishly, that I'm thankful for is that means steak is good. I don't know about you. I think it's good. If you don't, it's okay. But like that all these things he made are good, that all of it's been purified and cleaned by God and can be used for him. But again, whether it be marriage, whether it be food or anything else in creation, since all of it is good, then that means we must receive everything with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth, and that nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So whatever is received with thanksgiving, that means that we are consecrating it. Does anybody know what consecrate means? Anybody want to take a guess? Oh, that means like focus to, right? Or meant for. Okay. It's like meant for. Okay. Or dedicated to. 
You're on the right track. It's a vocab word. <laughs> so here's what consecrate means. That way, if it helps you with your vocab, then here you go. It's, it's to make or declare something sacred. It's to dedicate formally to a religious or divine power. So we receive something with thanksgiving. If it is the good intention that God gave us to, then we are dedicating it back to God. That everything God gives us, we dedicate back to him. That means every part of our lives. And so how is it consecrated? How is it committed to him? We see that in verse 5. Is that for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So this next truth is the gospel purifies creation. So everything is good in creation. Everything is good in creation. But then we know when the fall happened, when when Adam and Eve sinned against God, then sin came into the world and it impacted and infected everything. And so now we want to make sure we're properly using all of creation as it is originally intended to. And so we do that through God's word and through prayer. So we are to take everything in creation, everything in our lives, every aspect of our lives, and to use it for the purpose of glorifying God, glorifying Christ in and through our lives. So if we are to take everything of our lives and use it to glorify him, then here are some self-reflection questions for us. Are you using, let's say, your smartphone for the glory of Christ? Are you using it, let's say, to build up your platform? Are you using it, let's say, just to gain more followers? Are you using it to create even, let's say, an alternate persona? Are you using it to build up more followers? Are you using it to make sure you look good? Are you using it to have conversations that maybe you should not have? Or... Are you using it to point people to Christ? Are you using it to help people, to help Christ gain more followers rather than you trying to gain more followers, if you will? Are you trying to show how amazing Christ is, even just, let's say, just by the use of your smartphone or social media or anything else? Let me ask this. Are you using, let's say, your athletics? So if you, if you play sports, are you using your athletic abilities to glorify Christ or to glorify yourself? If let's say you are just really gifted at academics and you are just a very, you're just very gifted in that area. Are you using your academics and just schooling or anything else? Are you using that to make much of Christ? Or just be like, yeah, look at me. I'm top. I'm top of the, uh, the food chain, if you will. I'm, I'm top in my class and I have the big GPA. Are you saying like, no, like I'm blessed that God has given me the ability to be able to comprehend these things and use it for him. Or let's say the talents you have. Let's say whether it be acting, because I know some of y'all are part of theater, using that to glorify Christ. Or some of the jobs you have. Maybe you have a job. Are you using that as a mission field to point people to Christ? Or just to build yourself up. So if we are in Christ, then we need to submit every aspect of our lives to Jesus and his lordship and use it to glorify him and point others to him and make Christ's name known. That is what we must do. And then we see this last part. So if we were to submit everything to him, then what else does the gospel compel us to do? Let's look at verse 6, and we'll see how even more the gospel compels us to do. So verse 6, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. So again, we must constantly put these truths not only in front of our eyes, but in front of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we must constantly be encouraging one another and preaching the gospel to ourselves and each other on a daily basis. In fact, 
In Hebrews 3.13, we see this. It says, look, we must encourage each other every day while we have today so that we will not succumb to the deceitfulness of sin. So this next one, the gospel compels us to respond to false teachings. The gospel compels us to respond to false teachings. We must constantly combat these false teachings with the true teachings of the gospel. So imagine... As, as I've heard other people use this before, imagine that you have the cure for cancer and you're trying to give it to other people, but there's other people out there that are trying to give them stuff that will give them cancer. How much would that just upset us or hurt us or, or compel us even more? Like, no, 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 no. That's going to kill you. This is going to save you. That's what the gospel does is that it compels us. And we see other people being led astray by false teaching saying, no, that won't give you life. That won't give you anything. That won't give you hope. This is what will give you hope and life and transformation. It will give you love and forgiveness. That is what the gospel does to our hearts and how it transforms our hearts. Because we must constantly put our eyes to the gospel. We must constantly have that in front of our faces and look to the gospel, study it, preach it to ourselves daily as we saw in the testimony of Paul. Here's another way for us to kind of think about it. Um, anybody know, and I might have used this illustration before, so hopefully y'all will know then by now. Anybody know how you recognize a fake $100 bill? You study the real one? What? You hold it up in light. Okay. Was it? How do you recognize a fake $100 bill? Yeah. Yeah, there's another way. There's different pens out there. So there's certain people, their whole job is to be able to recognize fake $100 bills. And the way they do that is they just study a real $100 bill. That's what they study real hundred. They just study a real $100 bill. Instead of saying, okay, here's all these other fake $100 bills for you to compare. No, they're saying, look, this is a true $100 bill and just study, study, study it. Understand all the ins and outs of it. Understand how it feels, how it looks, all these things. So that way, as soon as they come in contact to a fake one, whether it's by the way they touch or the way it feels or the way it looks, they go, that, that's a fake $100 bill. And it's not because they're studying all these other fake ones. It's because they're studying the real thing. So because they're studying the real thing, they can identify all the other fake $100 bills. And we need to do the exact same thing with the gospel that instead of just saying, okay, what are all these other false teachings? Yes, we should be aware of them, but we should constantly be studying the gospel of what does this mean and constantly studying scripture. So that way when we do hear false teachings, whether it be through social media, whether it be just through other people saying it, we go, well, hold on, that doesn't align up with what scripture says. We do that in a loving manner. Why? Because we care about people. We care about their souls. We care about the eternal state of their souls and where they're going to go. And so we need to constantly put the gospel for ourselves. And we see that in this last part. In the last half of verse 6, it says, Being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So Paul ended it with one more truth of the gospel and is this. The gospel continually sanctifies us. The gospel continually sanctifies us. And so those words where it says being trained, that we're being trained in the words of the faith, that is an ongoing verb. 
So what that means is, is that is a continual action that we must be doing constantly. This isn't just applicable to Timothy at this time. This is for all believers at all times. And so we need to constantly be training ourselves up in the faith, in the words of the faith, in this good doctrine that we are following. That if we have repented and believed in Christ, okay, now we are to grow in our relationship with Christ. We're to constantly be growing in the gospel, in the faith. Because think about it, if we aren't nourishing ourselves, we will never grow. We never will. Here's, here's one final illustration for us to think about. Anybody in here, you like to uh, garden or you like plants or things like that and feeding plants, etc., things like that. Just one, or just a couple. All right, just me. Okay. Okay. So, um, so Rebecca, uh, my wife, she's wanted to start gardening recently, and and so we just planted, uh, I think, two different trees in in our apartment. Uh, one is an avocado tree, and one is a lemon tree uh, that we named Antonio and Stephanie. That's that's the name she picked, not me. And um, but imagine this. Imagine she, you know, she puts these plants in the pots. She puts the soil all around it, but then she only waters it once a week. And she only takes it out to be exposed to sunlight maybe twice a year or maybe when she feels like it. What's going to happen to that plant? It's, it's going to die. Or at least it's going to be really hindered growth-wise, right? Unless it's a cactus. If, if we want a plant to grow, what, is it constant, what does it constantly need? Sarah. If we want a plant to grow, what does it constantly need? It needs light constantly. Okay. Does it need anything else? It needs water. Okay. And soil. It needs definitely soil. Okay. Attention. Attention. So we need to constantly feed the plant all these things to help it grow. And all these elements are important for it to grow. We can't neglect any one of these. Is that what I'm hearing? Unless it's a water plant. A water plant doesn't have to have soil. So, so hold on. Did y'all hear that? Yeah. Real quick. She was saying how it needs sunlight. It needs water. It needs oxygen. And if we neglect any one of these, it'll either hinder its growth or potentially lead to the death of this plant. Guys, here's the important thing. Spiritually, it's the exact same way for us that we need to constantly be growing in our faith. We need to constantly be reading our Bibles and how it helps us grow. Think about this. Let's say you only eat one meal and you expect that one meal to give you the nutrients to last for an entire week. How well do you think that's going to go? It's not going to go well. But whenever we only rely on a meal of Scripture, let's say just Sunday morning or Wednesday night and that's it, and we expect that to give us nutrients for the rest of the week, it's not. It's a good start, but we need to constantly grow. We need to constantly be spending time in prayer and praying to God and to help us grow. We need to constantly be exposing ourselves to being able to go into church each Sunday and be around fellow believers and to encourage one another and to be in that fellowship with one another and help us grow as all of us are continuing to grow and wrestle in different ways. All of this comes through the gospel. We need to constantly be growing in the gospel, constantly staying in God's word, constantly staying in prayer with God. If not, then we will be susceptible to all these false teachings. We'll be susceptible to being slowly drawn away from Christ, from the beauty of the gospel that we are saved by our sins, only by his finished work on the cross. 
That we don't want to be drawn away by, no, you have to do this, that, and the other. But no, we get to do this, that, and the other because we are saved. That if we are not rooted in the gospel, if we are not staying rooted in our faith, then we'll be tempted to be slowly drawn away from that. So let me ask you this. Are you staying rooted in the gospel? Are you staying rooted in the gospel? Are you combating false teachings? So whenever you go on social media, whenever you're walking around at school, are you combating those false teachings that you hear some people might say? And, not in, 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 and what I mean by combat, I don't mean that in just an aggressive way. I mean that just in a loving way, by keeping your heart on guard to protect your hearts from these things. And then lastly, are you constantly growing in the gospel? Are you constantly feeding and nourishing your soul just through the truths of God's word? They're being in constant communication with God. They're being interacting with other believers on a daily basis and meeting and gathering together, not neglecting that. That if we are to stay rooted in the gospel and if we are to combat false teachings, then we need to make sure we are growing in the gospel and constantly be putting it in front of our faces. And that is how we'll be able to grow. That is how we'll be able to combat these false teachings. And that is how we'll be able to proclaim these truths and encourage one another as well. So let's pray. So Lord, we are just so thankful for the gospel. We're thankful for the power that it has. We're thankful that it can save anyone. That it can save even just the most far gone, wretched sinner like me and bring us back to you and save us. We're thankful that the gospel can, can restore any broken heart, can restore any seared conscience, that it can soften the most hardest of hearts and transform us into just new creations in Christ and be used by you to go proclaim that gospel. So, Lord Jesus, would you, by your grace, help us? Would you help us stay rooted in your word and abide in you daily? Would you help us be able to constantly put the gospel before our faces and just us to be in awe of how you could just save us? Constantly in awe of just the beauty of it. And as we study that more, that it'll soften our hearts and guard our hearts against any false teachings of the world around us. Then we come in contact with those, that, that we will be on guard and we will lovingly combat those and that you will show us how your just gospel constantly transforms our hearts and constantly helps us grow more in our relationship with you lord jesus so would you help us it is only by your grace we can do any of this to stay rooted in your word and to combat these false teachings to then be able to come more of the followers of christ you've called us to be more of the family of god you've called us to be and then go out and proclaim this amazing transformative gospel and making christ's name known All of this is in your precious holy name. Amen.